Of course, Miss Joan Baez with The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Anyone that is hearing this on the replay, which is most people later, this is going to be a fun one because we have my friend Alex Stein, uh, primetime Alex Stein of Conspiracy Castle and all that. I've played tag with Alex a little bit here and there on getting onto a boots on the ground. I'll have Alex on a proper show where it's edited and all that for the the cosmic salon later but i wanted alex's boots on the ground stuff since he's out in the field being alex (laughs) and and carrying on and shaking the tree baby seeing what those peaches which peaches fall and so alex i just saw your chris kringle situation and you just win the hearts of everyone everywhere that's 
along for this ride. You are so good with your presentation and the bringing levity to these very dark times, shining a light, <laughs> the Alex Stein light, into the dark sky. I am so happy, brother. How are you? Wow, what an introduction. I feel so honored. That's that's, that's so nice. I'm happy that I actually do, uh, you know, bring some people some laughter because like the times right now are just so down. Even for myself, I mean, it's really hard not to be in a low vibrational mood because like everybody's tense. If you're not under the trauma-based mind control, then you're like trying to wake people up from it and that's even worse. So the world is is almost a nightmare. As a matter of fact, it's kind of crazy. I go back, like, and just to reminisce, I listen to like old, like, even though I don't like the guy now, like Howard Stern. But back when I used to like him, because it kind of gives me like uh, nostalgia for what the time was. So it was like around like two thousand two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven. And in that at that time, the way they described the world then, they're like, "Oh, the world's so bad." <laughs> they were on the radio. They were talking about, "Oh, it's so bad. We're going to this Iraq war. Oh man, it's not going to get any worse than this." You know, humankind. You know, human mankind is screwed. And I'm like, "Oh my god, they have no idea how bad it is now." And it's just a harsh realization, like. Oh my God, we are totally screwed. Uh, So yeah, it's kind of scary. Well, you came on the scene at the right time, Mr. Mass Alex on the scene that uh, blew up and went crazy with your infectious smile behind that mask, your robber mask almost. And uh, that's where uh, I joined the Conspiracy Castle gang, (laughs) Jerry and I of Nox Mente. And... This is important. I want to actually, and and you know what? This is a good point to point, a good time to point out that stratification of the times. It is funny how the people in the time before now, Alex, I call it the time before, were really feeling how dark it was. But we were all talking about the subtext of things that were going on. And we could see, if you're looking with logical eyes, you could see the trajectory, but who knew that it was actually going to pop off the way it did. And it's incredible. These are actually, you know, this feels like the time, the time, if you know what I mean. And I want to, I want to say I'm heartfelt and saddened about your mama. And I'm so sorry that that had to happen so recently and in the middle of this. So you have my condolences there. Yeah, you know, I really appreciate that. It's really hard to think about my mom, uh, you know, losing the person you love the most. It's like, you know, a lot of people have different feelings. Like, you know, we don't have to speak that much on it, but like some people weren't close to their mom, this and that. But I was very close to my mom. And it's not only that my mom died, it's the tragic manner in which she died will, you know, will just stick with me for the rest of my life. So I don't wish that pain on anybody. Sadly, it's something that we all have to go through losing a parent. So I'm not unique in my situation, but it doesn't make it any less hard or terrible. And I cry every morning and I cry almost every night before I go to bed. So, you know, it is what it is, but I'm sure we'll get better over time. But thank you. I appreciate your uh, you know, sympathy. But I don't like people feeling sorry for me either. So it's really a terrible rotten no good feeling you know losing the person you love the most absolutely actually it defines us it becomes defining stuff and when i lost my momo it was the world changed one of the things i found i think this is a 
a very prescient thing to talk about, actually, because we're in the middle of a lot of uh, a big death wave anyway. And so this is on the minds. We're all kind of collectively going through a death, and a lot of people are starting to process through themselves. And one of the things that always struck me when my mom died is that the world still kept going. It just, just terribly so. It was just grinding every day. The bills kept, you know, like everything just kept going. And I was so oh. stuck. It was like, how can everything go when I'm now stuck in this moment where the person I love the most just is not here now? No, I'm frozen in time. And it just shows you the world's not going to change anything, sadly, when Kobe Bryant dies. You know, when anybody dies, no, everybody still goes and eats at McDonald's the next day. Everybody still, you know, litters or whatever. But it's really sad because I'm frozen in time. And as a matter of fact, the people that are saying that it's easier, I with my mom more because I was with her, you know, in her last moments and I was with her, you know, really close to my mom. So it's like, it's almost getting worse. I'm not, I'm not saying that to feel sympathy, but it's, it's really crazy. The world is totally different for me. It looks totally different. Every morning I have a totally different viewpoint on it. And it's like, like you said, time is standing still, but for everybody else, it's just nothing changes. And it's just, it's just a, it's a really tragic. It's really sad. Isn't it really hard when you realize the tragedy that life really is? Yeah, it is. And see, these subjects I'm comfortable talking about. I know a lot of people aren't, but I think these are subjects that people need to start embracing because this is what's going on. And the thing is, yes, everyone loses a parent. Everyone loses people around them. That is all right. We share that in the human condition here. But the thing is, it's personal. The The void someone leaves in your life is your personal experience. And nobody can, nothing can touch that. And especially if it's someone, it, someone so close, like you clearly had such a deep connection to your mamo. And I did too. I, she was my favorite person. And the depth of which that penetrates is there are no words there's no language for that kind of sorrow the sorrows that come on with that we just keep trucking through but there's that void and it takes a it for me it took a very long time to process the information and i'm still i just for the first time in many years had a dream of my momo last week and uh i finally can see her in dreamland uh, in the last many years without being emotional. I would get too emotional, Alex, and she would pop away. Like I would start crying. It would just be so terrible that I couldn't even perceive her in dream time. Are you dreaming your mom all yet? And it's funny. It's like this weird thing. You know, I have her ashes and stuff, you know, like I'm surrounded by her stuff, but it's like, I don't know how to explain it. I, I it's just, I, there is a, I'm still at the point now where like I'm driving her old car now around and I like pick up her, Taco Cabana receipt, and I realized it was from like you know like a week before she died, and I'm just thinking like this is the one of her last meals, and you just start crying. So I don't know. It's a wave of emotions uh, that are just uncontrollable that I, I would never have thought that I would feel. But no dreams, no. But I wake up, I wake up every. This is this is this is how it works. When my mom went to the hospital. The morning of, I was not feeling good. I had gotten, you know, I went over there, had been helping her for, you know, she had been sick for a couple of weeks. So I feel a lot of guilt that I didn't get her like monoclonal antibodies, didn't do enough to help her before. So other than the freaking guilt that, you know, that, you know, kills me. Um, uh, the, 
part of it is every day that that day first Monday morning she went at six a.m. and she was and in the ICU I was like this isn't real this isn't that whole day I couldn't get a hold of her in that morning because I just talked to that last night and I didn't get a hold of her you know till about ten in the morning I didn't even get to talk to her she was in the ICU she had called nine one one and she had called nine one one a couple of days before and they said she was fine and that's when I went over there. And she just wasn't feeling good. She was just having trouble breathing. She vaped. And so what I'm saying is that first day when she went into the ICU, I was like, this is, this isn't real. This isn't real. This is a nightmare. This is not, this is not real. My mom's not in the ICU hooked up to a machine. This is not real. Yeah. And every morning I would wake up thinking that hoping and praying that this was a nightmare. Yeah. I'm not kidding. It was crazy. I'm like, this isn't real. I'm about to just die right in front of me in my arms like this. I'm not going to watch my mom die like this. She's going to be fine. This is a nightmare. This isn't real life. This is fake. And yeah. it, and it, and it's feeling less like that, but I still have the feeling where I wish that this wasn't my real life and that this was a nightmare that I'll wake up. Yeah. It's uh, you have to just give yourself that space and move through it. And I know you are. It feels like the most lonely road ever. And platitudes don't do anything but make it worse. People with platitudes, it, you know, it's sad to to have to have platitudes come at you. It's a personal journey. And but the thing is, you are on it. <laughs> speaking of platitudes, you're on it with her. And that's the thing that I learned is that they may be gone, but we're on the journey with them. And Alex, I do believe we're eternal. Our souls are. And so there's that whole process. But again, I, I'm so sorry. And if ever you need um, to do some process work on this, I'm here for you. This is a subject that I'm not shy of and I can hear and listen. So just know that. And I appreciate that. And it's not a subject a lot of people like to talk about. So we'll just say one more thing because I want to ask you because a lot of people are able to handle it or talk to me better about it that have lost a parent. You know, other people that haven't lost a parent, it's really hard for them to sympathize or be empathetic to what you're going through. And that's just how it is. But, um, you know, when when I talk to you, uh, you know, talking about it, uh, that you can just tell that that you know that you know you know how to uh, talk about it with kid gloves. The thing is, uh, when your mother passed away and people reached out to you, or did you get a lot of like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna, I'm so sorry about your mom. Uh, you know, I'm, I haven't talked to my mom in three years. I'm gonna reach out to her because of." Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people almost kind of mom shaming you or humble bragging about their mom. Somehow they always bring up their mom when talking about your mom dying. Did that? Did you notice that? Yes. And that's what I'm talking about here is that the thing that's a collective thing is we all do go through it or, you know, we go through death with other people. But the thing that struck me and has constantly strikes me is that it doesn't matter when when you're this is a personal experience and nobody's experience can touch your experience nobody on the planet knows your special relationship with your momo and that has to be valued there's nothing i can say that can actually go in there and tell you. I can't say like, yeah, man, I, I lost my mom too. I know what you're going through. I don't know what you're going through. Your relationship is special with her. Those kinds of things are just, they. like I said, they just are meaningless when, when people say it. And, you know, this is what I was saying about this earlier is 
we are all going to be dealing with a lot of death moving forward. And you know this. And collectively, we've been kind of dealing with the death of our society and the de- a lot of like death energy around us. So it's super dark. It's important to find places either within yourself or outlets for ways of being heard and ways of expressing yourself. And crying is great, but there's more to that. I'm still processing a lot of it myself. I mean, I don't even know how else to put it. It's just like really tragic because like we're sitting here talking about it because you, like I said, you are skilled in, you know, how to handle it. And, you know, you're somebody that's experienced it. So you're somebody that I'm willing to talk to about it. But at the same time, I don't like talking about it because I think about my mom every second of the day. You know what I mean? I'm thinking about her. The only time I'm not thinking about her is when I'm doing some stupid video. You know what I mean? That's why I've been doing it. That's why I've been going out and when I'm on man on the street and I'm worried about like a guy beating me up, I don't even think about my mom and I love my mom. So it's not like, I'm just saying it's a good, healthy, not thinking about my mom because I'm, my mind is somewhere totally else. So I don't have time to be sad about my mom dying. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm kind of trying to get busy and trying to create more content because that's the only thing I feel myself. And it's not even that I miss, even though I talk to my mom and text her much, it's not even that like I miss that. It's just like, I, I just can't tell you what the pre, like the feeling. It's just it's not even miss. It's like pain and sorrow. It's just it's just so. It's it's a part of me died. Yeah. Part of me died. Yes, that's all I can. That's the best way I can describe it. A part of me is dead, and that's not not that my life's over. My life's not over, but a big part of me is gone forever that I'll never get to share with her. It's just it's dark and it's just really tough when you and I can I can swallow that pill, but it's not easy. It's very tough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are no words. The void is bottomless. It's unreachable. There are no words. And that's the thing. People that don't understand that don't don't get that until they're there. But the work you're doing the work you're doing, and this is what I did as well. I threw myself into, at the time I was uh, an artist and that's what I was doing. And I threw myself into that. And I found like you in a way, I found that nobody around me could touch their people just weren't understanding. They all meant well, people mean well, but they just couldn't understand the depth of which I was dealing with the void that I looked at this hole in my heart that was, unbelievable and the mother the umbilical cord you know you come from her she you you're you're wound together on a cellular level and this is a cosmic beautiful level your souls are entwined you know they say that real soulmates are your you know that your mother is your real soulmate and i believe in lots of soulmates but it's an important thing to consider that you came out of her you were part of her you're an expression an emanation of the love from her. And so this is a, it's a, a beautiful thing. And the, the work you're doing since she's been gone has been really riveting. And I know, and see, one of the things that people that are coming to you for the first time, I think sometimes don't understand is how talented you are with comedic timing and being ironic. You bring something very special to the table, Alex, that a lot of people try and miss. A lot of people don't know how to do. You are definitely someone that's separated from the collective when it comes to the way in which you are bringing people into a greater awareness of the absurd nature of what's going on. 
Wow, that makes me feel good. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do through some sort of performance art, because the only way we can wake people up is through the same propaganda tools that they use. And so I, you know, have to be funny, but we have to just, it's, you don't even have to be funny. You just have to put a mirror to society, you know, it's not even, it's kind of like what Sasha Baron Cohen did. It's kind of like what, you know, a lot of these other people have done. I'm not doing anything new. It's what Stephen Colbert did. You know, it's kind of trolling, but they were, they were trolling because they were going against at that time, the counterculture, you know, it was like hidden propaganda. We thought, you know, like yeah. at one point Hollywood, you know, we used to think like Hollywood was anti big pharma and all this <laughs> now, because of what's happened now, we know big pharma owns, everybody owns the media and Hollywood does not have our back. But it, we had a, at a, there was a point in time when, when there was a, there was, even Hollywood people that put in their books that were really anti-vaccines for children. Um, you, do you remember that phase in the early 2000s? That was kind of niche, and that yes. wasn't you weren't considered a, you, you. You know that anti-vaxxer had a lot less of a you know um, you know cli- you know cliche or whatever you want to call. It. You know it didn't have as as much of a stigma around that term as it does now, which is all done on. Don't have our back, but but they've done it. They're kind of trolling themselves. But I don't even need to be funny because in the future, all comedy is going to be about a checklist about you know making sure that it's an Asian character and a female lead <laughs> character and a gay uh, you know sidekick and you know make sure the one white male is like the villain or yes. the boss everybody hates or the cop that is you know strung out or whatever you know that's just the future so because they had to follow that formula and and they've been following it for a long time listen this is all you got to do if you don't believe me just do a little search top movies of 1994 versus top movies of 2014 1994 it's like titanic pulp fiction shawshank redemption in 2014, it's like Cars 2, Cars 3, you know, Santa Claus 2. or whatever. I mean, it's all these sequel crappy movies. And they're not that. I'm not saying Spider-Man 4 is a bad movie. But it's just a formulaic, nonsensical movie that it's just meant to sell literally toys for, you know, uh, compared to art. So that's the thing is in the future, it's not about actually creating like good art. So it's not even hard to be an artist in the future if you just be yourself is what I'm saying. Yeah, it, there's definitely been a trajectory here. You probably know now, I mean, Hollywood was always set up from the beginning as a propaganda mill. And a lot of everything that we knew as children and that we were coming along with, including video games, is all kind of leading us into something darker without our knowing by the the fun nature of it, the cool nature of it, the people that were playing characters we could project on and feel like we had some sort of representation of who we were. And now it's gotten so inverse and, and absurd that it, it it's ridiculous. This idea of Trojan horse seeing the populace by pitting people against each other for skin deep, literally skin deep stuff and funky narratives. One of the things I think that has been good in all of this, if one could say that, is that we can now see Alex, we can see people for what they are. And a lot of these people now are just in plain light. We can see that they're tools for the system. Where we couldn't before, it was they were playing the adversary towards the system. And so again, they were acting and acting at all levels that 
as a viewer, you didn't know what's what, you know, it's like, okay, this person's actually standing up against the machine and they're in the machine. And so it makes them more potent. And so now we see, we see who's who. One of the things I find most ironic is all the old school punk rebels and all that. Like how ironic is it that you have to be fully vaxxed to go see Rage Against the Machine, that they're pushing the vax? I mean, come on. Well, that's that's, that's what I was just saying. The 90s was the last time there was any cool art or culture. You know, it all ended in the 90s. That was the last era. Because now Rage Against the Machine, at one point, they were the king of the counterculture. You're right. Now they have to be a vaccine. But this is why, because none of that Hollywood propaganda stuff really matters. That's all small potatoes when it comes to the future of the metaverse and what, uh, you know, they're proposing with this Facebook stuff. It's going to be where you're basically going to be neural linked into a fake world. The Vanilla Sky is a good... uh, you know, predictive programming movie kind of about this where you can plug yourself into a fake world where you can, if you're fat, you can be skinny in the fake world. You know, if you're, you know, whatever you want to do in the fake world, you can do. So you can have that vanilla sky, that good life. You don't have to worry about your crappy life. You basically just have to be alive here. Uh, Your body just has to stay alive because if you can plug in mentally and everything else, like now they have gloves. It's what so with that glove, if I'm touching a virtual, uh, you know, a, a virtual woman's butt, they're going to make it think that it's real. So I mean, it's just people will want to have that fake world and live in this, this, you know, Coca-Cola, IV, uh, you know, diabetic, uh, you know, healthcare pharmaceutical company that really wants you dead, basically. System, you know, I, I almost would want to plug in. I, I'm so mad at the world right now. I'm almost actually thinking about just, you know, plugging into the metaverse myself at this point. Well, don't do I'm it. I'm kidding. I know. I'm I know kidding. it's a joke, but I'm you know, kidding, they, they but... beta tested all this with things like Second Life. This all, that all started with Atari, really, and then Nintendo, and it's moved us slowly into and away from nature. And I, we talk about that a lot here. That's one of the main subjects. We talk about the digital twinning and, uh, the cleaving of, Uh, taking us away from nature where uh, what we're looking at is a future where people don't have any contact with the natural world. So the way you will contact fire is see it on a screen and light is you, you can't have fireplaces and pellet stoves, uh, gas range ovens. So we will be totally separate from natural elements. And you know, that whole UN uh, 2030 thing where you'll be happy and have nothing. And the reason why that becomes a reality in the beginning, when we were looking at that material, it's like, how are they going to do that? How, how are they going to get people into these really pull up to these smart cities? And now you see, because we will be tied in, I won't, but people will be tied into the omniverse, the metaverse, earth point two and having everything they want in a digital world where they've already been digitally twinned, where nothing is natural, everything's a facsimile. And so surrogates, surrogates addresses this, the matrix addresses this. There's a lot of predictive programming that happened to get us here and here we are we are here alex and it's going to happen it's going to happen where humans actually intubate themselves because it's it's just going to have a better digital feeling or whatever in the metaverse if you're just totally sedated i'm sure why that's that's no no doubt about it there's people that want to do it now because video games you know are so prevalent that's like literally people's only escape so 
I'm sure not only is it going to be popular, the metaverse, it's going to be like all the stuff we see in the, those shows, Black Mirror or whatever, you know, the predictive program. It's going to be exactly like 1984. It's going to be exactly what we think, the nightmare. And as soon as you plug into the metaverse, it's like committing suicide because you can never wake up out of it. Like even in the metaverse, there might be a point where you have a dream where you wake up out of it and they like wake you up out of the metaverse and you're back in reality, but you'll never really know once you plug in because you can have any fake reality does that make sense so you can go into the metaverse with a fake reality of you getting out of the metaverse and living in harmony but that's it's all fake you die as soon as you plug in and there will be people that want to plug in as soon as possible i mean elon musk says a neural link thing's going to be out by 2023 did you just say that i believe but i i've read that but i don't know if you mentioned that as well oh yeah i mean yeah i've yeah, been tracking this that. is this is no joke well, the thing is, that's why I said Second Life was a beta test for all this. And I did a deep dive into that. And it's brain entrainment. Don't get it. Don't be mistaken on that. It's brain entrainment. And uh, the thing that is interesting, though, is it's going to get to a level where you don't know where reality is. And, and like I said, they're cleaving us from the natural world. This is all tied into blockchain. This is, there's all cryptocurrencies are in there, just like Second Life. We're being pushed into it and a lot of people when they're down and out this is a good way of escapism like you were talking earlier it, it it's a way to go in they're not forcing anyone at this point and here's where 5g comes in and 6g and 7g augmented reality is a non setup situation you don't need to have those gloves on Alex, you don't need to have the headset on because it's augmented reality and that's written into metaverse. It's part of the omniverse. It's part of Earth.20. It's been part of the one side of getting to 5G, 6G, and 7G are about augmenting the state of reality so you will just be connected into it as you are and not realize that you are basically in a sim or in a hologram. And that's how dark this goes. You won't need to put on a set. You won't need to sit in a chair and be connected in. You are already connected in. And this is what becomes darker with the idea of the graphene that's being shot into everyone because it's an operating system. And the 5G that is is um, relaying off of everyone, which is the Internet of Things includes people, includes water. And, you know, they're different taglines for the internet of people and the internet of water and underground things. But the thing is where everyone's going to be already accessed through that tech. And that's where 6G and 7G come in where you, we won't know what's up and what's down in the reality. We will only know the facsimiles and the layers of the facsimile. That's how deep this shit goes, Alex. Yeah, no, I agree. That's what exactly. I mean, it's it's like Inception. It's really going to be very difficult to tell the reality. I guess. I mean, you know, the the thing is, you could just put something on your eyeball, and, and you're going to be in virtual reality. That's basically what it's going to be like. So, no, the future is is bleak. Uh, and I, I think about this. It's you know, YouTube didn't even come out until I think 2005, which I was uh, a senior in high school then. So there was a time. In my high school, in my growing up, I didn't have TikTok, I didn't have Instagram, I didn't have any of this stuff. So, like, I guess I'm just the the right before the huge wave. I'm still, you know, uh, you know, a millennial or whatever. Yeah. But it's like there's no. So I'm saying there's still hope for me not to be totally plugged in. I'm still going to be like the old guy that's like, you know, <laughs> I don't, don't, you know, 
the internet is bad. But dude, <laughs> these kids coming up, they are so digitalized that they, they, they'll never be able to be, they'll be a hypocrite to be like, oh, you're plugging into the metaverse? Well, you know, you you know, there's you, you see everybody's be so digitized that they they can't even make fun of other people for plugging into the metaverse because they're already gonna have six TikTok accounts and seven digital girlfriends and blah blah blah. Like even a person that's not that online very much will still have a big online footprint in the future. So it'll be hard. Like it's just gonna be so crazy that that's what people want. They're gonna want the fake world. And I, at the end of the day, I'm telling you, I don't want that fake world. But I, I'm not surprised because life is tough. I mean, people want to escape. That's why they use drugs. That's why they want to use video games, virtual reality. Everybody's just trying to, you know, get that monkey off their back. Uh, and sadly, you know, it's just a trap, and it's going to be a trap for a lot of people that fall into it. It's a trap, and it only takes three generations to get there. And so that's what I'm saying. The new generation is going; they're they're coming in already. They they're being exposed to graphene and this tech, and so they're just being born into it. And they will have no real relationship with the natural world. Like I said, the the raw elements will be in in this digitalized world and they wouldn't know real fire. And so because of the nature of how this all works in the digital space, in the metaverse and all this at the, at the height of what it's going to be, you will be in there and touch fire and you will feel hot. Just like you were talking about, you can put the gloves on right now and feel a woman's ass. It goes so deep, Alex, that it's almost inconceivable. And I can take this woo really deep because this is where I live. But I want to back up a minute. I want to talk about some of the work you're doing in the field with trolling the system. And so let's talk about your Chris Kringle situation. And I saw a video prior to that where they, they pulled you off. You were in the Santa outfit too, and you got you got pulled out. Let's talk. So let's talk about this. When you're trolling the system, when you're going to city hall meetings and all of that, what's the experience you're having when you're doing this? And for those of us that are viewing you doing this deep level performance art, deep level comedic style, a la brilliant people, um, I want to say, I want to throw you in with some really brilliant people. Uh, comedian activists out there that had a different style than you, but we're still pointing out the irony of the times. And so we could pull in the big names. You're doing it in your own way, but you're doing it successfully. So when you're trolling the system and and we could go to all the videos when you're the real housewives of Houston, when you're there, uh, the masking, you're right. You know, you know, you're spot on. Go ahead. I don't want to correct you. You're spot on. You're you're, you're going, you're so awesome. Well, you're amazing. And so let's talk about this when you let's just talk about the Chris Kringle one when you show up don't they do they already know who you are oh of course oh yeah everybody it's a secretary they all know exactly who I am the mayor knows who I am and they don't like me you know they don't like that I make a mockery of it but I mean it doesn't matter because they're all fake phony baloney people either you know they're wearing the Christmas sweaters like you know they want to play dress up well I play dress up too and this is like (laughs) you know this is this is the thing. It's like it's it's all silly. What they're called is NPCs, non-playable characters. Like as much as I want to interact with them, they they like can't interact with me. They like can't come on my level and interact with me because they're NP. 
NPCs, like they're too politically correct. They don't want me to pull them off sides. And so I still can. There's still going to be opportunities. But like that's why they fear me the most because I don't play by any rules. I can do whatever I want, you know. And, and there are some rules or some decorum and stuff you have to have in those meetings. But I mean, basically, you know, you can wear whatever you want as a citizen, as a private citizen. As long as you have clothes on, I don't think I can go in there naked. Um, <laughs> but I should be able to go in there, you know, a city meeting. You can go into a courtroom and dress however you want. You can wear a Santa Claus outfit to court. Um, you know, they might not like that, but you can. That's you know, right, your God-given right. Yes. But at the same time, what I'm saying is the trolling, the trolling the politicians or trolling these people, I love it because, you know, it, like I said, they're the NPCs. I, it's the this is the example I use. It's the British soldiers, you know, that wear the big hats, you know, out outside of Buckingham Palace. You like want to draw them off sides. You want to like poke them. Hey, you know, you know, you know, boo or whatever you want to do to try to scare them to move. That's kind of what I like to do. I like to go to these people, the establishment, and try to rattle the establishment and draw them off sides a little bit so their their cage is rattled or they're you know out of uh, position. They're out of you know, they're they're not in the position that they're normally in. I don't know when it was. It wasn't that long ago when you were getting pulled out of one of those. And I think you were in a Santa suit at that time. Do you, you know what you want to talk about? I was about? in a hands made outfit. I was actually oh, that's transitioning right. to Alexandria. Yeah. yeah. You were in a hands made outfit. So when they pulled you out and you're screaming. So when I was a lot of truthers don't. Yes. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. I want to say a lot of a lot of people in the truth community are anti-gender fluidity, but I'm just saying I'm the most gender fluid person and one of the most progressive people in, in the world. So you can't you can't call me a hater. So I'm pro-gender fluidity. Go ahead. Sorry, Nisha. <laughs> I think that there's uh, connection issues with you. You may want to just go to audio. Is it me? Yeah, I know. What, what is that? Is that is that my thing that keeps dropping? Because I'm hearing your mic. I don't know why my internet should be fast. I don't know why it's doing that. Just okay, go to no, audio. I know you're cute and we like to see you, but um, I don't know why it's not. It, uh, it's sometimes it's that way with the when people are on video. So yeah, while, while you're so many people are in the meeting, it's so annoying. I mean, it's not you. It has to be my internet. But I don't know why it's doing that. Well, maybe it's mine, it but okay, I, it never picture. happens. Uh, it rarely happens. I think it is a bandwidth thing. But anyway, so when when you get when you're out trolling, so to speak, with the performance art of showing people the ridiculousness that's that is going on and presenting it to them, when you get the when you get the bad experiences, how do those go? When when you're being pulled out, so that Handmaid's Tale one, when you're being pulled out, what happened there? I know a lot of that's on camera, but what actually happened? Well, supposedly on that one is I had signed up for a different name. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when I spoke at a meeting earlier, Primo Stone, so they, they said that I had spoke at too many meetings, but it had been a month. But I guess on a technicality, it has to be 30 days. And I think it was 29. So, but the thing is, the reason why I was saying I could speak because the last meeting that I technically spoke at, I spoke under a fake name, Primo Stone. I didn't speak under my real name, Alex Stein. So I didn't. So I thought on a technicality, I'd even be able to speak no matter what. And so I, so they, and they saw me in that outfit. They're immediately like, "No, we're not. We're 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 not letting this dude speak." I mean, that was like their first thing. So um, that's exactly what happened. They kicked me out of there, and I didn't want to speak. I mean, I didn't want to uh, leave when they said, oh, you should – you spoke yada, yada, yada within 30 days. So that's what happened. It looked like they just didn't want to let me speak because I was in a drag. No, and then I went back there to an ethics meeting, and I, I complained in the handsmaid tale. So 
For people that don't know, that may not be familiar with you, this is kind of one of the things. So Alex does. Alex has a full range of stuff he does, and so there's a lot of interesting conversations that go on in your channel, which you've renamed now. It looks like, and uh, but you. What all, do you mean? What channel are you talking about? Does it is it now like Prime Time with Alex Stein or something? Well, well, that's just on my my Instagram is so shadow banned conspiracy castle. So I just do I do Prime Time sign up just using my personal one, which is now. Shadow band too. I need to probably make a third one. Um, uh, but my YouTube is still Conspiracy Castle. If you guys want to see a lot of my pranks and stunts, go to my uh, YouTube because a lot of that stuff's on there as well. Yeah, and if I, I'll try and get that posted in the um, chat here, I'll definitely get it posted in the link when we go when I po- repost this. But if somebody can put it in the chat, that'd be awesome. Anyway, so when you do these kinds of acts of irony out in the world people don't understand what I'm talking about. They need to check out conspiracy castle to see it because it's brilliant. It's funny. It's poignant. And so I want to get the boots on the ground with you. So you were in Texas. What have you seen? What are the changes you're seeing going on right now? Are, are you seeing shortages at all? You know how the whole shortage thing's going on. How bad is it? I know Texas is supposed to be one of the freer states and um, masking you're always making light of and all that. What's actually going on on the ground for you there? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I I just went to Trader. I haven't been going to Trader Joe's much just for whatever reason, but I didn't freaking I I went to Trader and and this is not just Trader Joe's, but other grocery stores like Walmart. They've they haven't had you know a lot of the drinks and stuff. They've been low, but the Trader Joe's I went to in Dallas was like empty, and I'm not saying totally empty. There's actually a lot of produce and stuff, but just a lot of the normal stuff they have. I guess the most popular items are gone. I just couldn't believe it. Everything I would normally get there was gone. I mean, there still was food in the grocery store. I wouldn't say it was like any panic or anything, but just in pot, every popular thing, uh, you know, and I don't eat meat. So there's actually still a lot of tofu and soy products and stuff there. That, <laughs> that was in plenty, but, but like the microwavable pad Thai, the cookies, I mean, so much stuff was empty and I could, you could tell because they, they I've never seen a Trader Joe's. They had like to make the shelves look more full. They would put like, even if they had one box of it, they would put it at the front. So it's just weird because Trader Joe's is already small. So they usually don't have enough room and now they're trying to cheat it to make it look like they, you know, we're expanding their pro- product. Does that make sense? So it was just, it was weird to see Trader Joe's like that because usually it's packed to the gills. They don't have enough room to for all their displays because Dallas, and the, the one I go to is in a nice neighborhood. It's just a small p- spot. So it's just weird to go walk in there and see like, oh man, they're like trying to spread stuff out. So it looks like it's more packed. And then, um, you know, I guess in Dallas, I don't know how bad the economy is. The gas isn't like too terrible. I mean, it's it's not good. It's $3, but I have a feeling. I don't have a feeling. I know there's going to be some sort of financial crash soon. Like, you know, they're calling it Biden inflation, but it, there's going to be like worldwide inflation. It'll be global inflation because one of these companies will take a lawsuit or something's going to happen. And I just I really am worried about the digitalization of money. They're saying, oh, there's a chain shortage. That's such a lie. They're not short on quarters or nickels. They got plenty of nickels. And, you know, they just that it's just financially. I don't know what's going to happen to the economy. I think they purposely put Biden in so they can totally wreck it and blame it all on him and say, oh, well, he was seen out the whole time. It's, you, it's your fault for putting them in, even though we know that election was a total bullcrap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my God. 
we could talk about that all day, how ridiculous that is. And it is all ridiculous. And so that's, see, that's interesting because a lot of what I'm talking to are people that are bringing some of this information forward. And we talk to people all over the world. A lot of people that are in the higher end areas with higher end stores, like for example, places that have Trader Joe's, some places don't, they're saying everything's still stocked. But what I'm personally seeing in my area is that there's a lot of stuff that's not stocked. And I'm wondering if that trickery is actually working on a lot of people that they're not noticing that the merchandising, which is an art you can actually get a degree in it and there's a it's like it's like magician's work where you can create an illusion of abundance or you can you can create any kind of illusion that makes people buy something or want to buy something or if there's not enough of something etc and just to add and tie into the the metaverse reality is there's now for example, in a lot of places. Now, they've done this my whole life, but if they're short on oranges, right, they will have cardboard oranges just to show that's the orange space. But if you're tied into the metaverse, that's going to look like real oranges. That's going to actually appear like real oranges. You're going to be able to grab what looks like a real orange. And you're going to be, because of the nature of what's going to happen here, you're going to be able to bite into it and think you're having a real orange. So, But with our natural eyes still, we can look at it and say that's a cardboard cutout. And right now, we are still looking at things with natural eyes. So some of this trickery is going on. And people like you are telling me some of this, because you're in a better area, obviously, if you have a Trader Joe's, that some of those staples are not there. And this is an important thing. In the lower areas, say bumfuck somewhere where there's just a Walmart, right? Where Walmart came in and drove out all the mom and pops. Then now I've been hearing from people in those areas that there's hardly anything, that it's just all absolutely junk. The produce is real nasty looking. And this is something, and Alex, we know this is created. This is created. And so with your work in the field and what you're seeing, what are you experiencing when you talk to people about these kinds of things, when you bring this stuff up to people on the street? Because a lot of the work you're doing on the street is pointing out these things. Everybody's asleep. What are you talking about? Nobody has any idea. Nobody cares. I, when I go on the street, I ask, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, I want a big booty bitch. I want beer. I want alcohol. <laughs> I want weed. I want sex. Everybody's addicted to porn on their phone, which I mean, I'm saying I, I look at pornography. I can't, you know, I don't want to be a total. <laughs> Ain't no shame, that. baby. Ain't no shame. Uh, it's just, I'm just saying it's just the society. It's too easy. I, when I was a kid, I had a magazine I stuck under my bed for like years. You know, nowadays a kid <laughs> can type in boobs and he has a, a porn collection that's larger than Hugh Hefner ever had. So it's just, it's, it's insane. It's insane. Um, you know, you know where society is like they're everybody's brain dead. And I talk about this on my show every, all the time, but they, A and W root beer were there in the hot dog business actually before McDonald's, but when they wanted to compete, they wanted to, you know, open a na- they wanted to go nationwide. They were on the East coast. They wanted to compete with McDonald's. 
And McDonald's was famous at the time for their quarter pounder burger. So what A&W did is they did a nationwide market research study asking people what they thought was a better value, a third pound burger for $3.99 or the quarter pounder burger for $4.29, whatever it was. And overwhelmingly, people thought the quarter pounder burger was a better deal because they thought one-fourth was bigger than (laughs) one-third. So overwhelmingly, and you can look the study up, look it up, the A&W root beer burger study. And so that's what we're dealing with, people. That's what we're dealing with with P. And I'm not some genius myself. I'm not. I'm not claiming to say I'm some you know brainiac. I've been fooled. I make mistakes. But this is it. This is a society. We're not dealing with smart people. We're dealing with people that love the pandemic. They love the turmoil. They love the you know trauma-based mind control because it gives them a cortisol release and like it kind of distracts them from the tragedy that's going on within their own personal existence. So I mean. Listen, society, when I go out on the street, makes me lose hope for it, not gain hope for it. But another thing is society's not as bad as you think. Most people are pretty nice to each other. Unless you sleep with somebody's ex-wife or something or you <laughs> screw somebody up in a business deal, everybody's going to be pretty nice to you. You know, or you rip somebody, you know, unless you, you know, cut somebody in line or unless you do something malicious to somebody, naturally, most people, not everybody, are genuinely nice if you're just, you know, at a restaurant at the table next to you. You know what I mean? People aren't real society people like racism, even if you're the most racist person in the world. At Panda Express, you're not going to tell the black woman. You're not going to call her the N word. Mm-hmm. It's just not how. It's just not how society is. So society is like not as bad as I say, but a very little hope for society because we are so dumbed down, so dumbed down, so fluoridated, and so docile that we've just lost any spirit or any like uh, you know uh, uh, exploratory you know, future. It's just very, tell me what to do and let me just follow the leader. And that's what society is, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Diving further into this, you did a whole series and you probably will continue to do more, but you were, when when these different places were giving away, like Krispy Kreme was giving the donut away. And so you're out there on your camera with all kinds of crazy, with blood coming out of your nose, wanting your, um, you know, showing this fake card that you got your, your vax and wanting your free donut. And those videos, people, you've got to check out Alex's workout. It's hilarious if you're not familiar. What was your response? So you would get through, we get to see all this on camera because this is all real, but did you ever get any nasty pushback from some of those? Because there you are with the the fake blood coming out your nose and 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 wanting your donut and saying it works. What kind of negative stuff came out of some of that? Well, it's exactly like I said. I mean, some people are NPCs. Not everybody, but like the people at Krispy Kreme, they don't even they they're just busy making donuts. God bless their soul. I don't even like to you know give them too hard of a time. I try to do it in a very lighthearted way, not trolling too hard, um, but. Because all they can do is really give you bad body language. In this day and age, they know everybody knows they're going to be filmed, so they're not going to say they're not going to give me some sort of real reaction. They're going to give me some sort of professional Krispy Kreme reaction. It's just a mean face. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm surprised I haven't gotten something bad. You know, somebody if I catch them on the wrong day and they're about to quit anyway. Then, then that's, that's what I think. Oh, maybe this guy might punch you in the face. But if a person doesn't want to lose their job, some goofballs, you know, at a fast food restaurant, I, I believe it or not, even me acting goofy with blood covered in blood and stuff. <laughs> I, there's people that I, on that Greenville Avenue, Krispy Kreme that stays open late. People covered in blood all the time in Dallas, Texas on that street. There's car accidents. <laughs> like I'm not the only person they've seen covered in blood at that Krispy Kreme. I guaranteed 
no way I'm the first person. So, you know, it just, it just depends on the person's mood at the time, but like, where do I get kickback? You know, like, I, uh, it depends. Like I had a concert I was at recently, a Metallica concert. Some of the people, they were like the nicest thing, nicest ever about doing interviews and they would look hardcore. And then, you know, some people would be like, Hey, you know, can I ask you a question? Be like, Oh, fuck you. Get out, get out, you know, get out of here. So like, what I'm trying to say is at all different levels, even in the black community, white community, it all depends on a person's mood when you catch them because most of the time people don't even really give a crap what somebody's doing around them you know what i mean because we're all under surveillance and people said don't film me if you're in a place it's like dude there's cameras literally everywhere we are right now we are there's nowhere basically where you're not on somebody's ring doorbell camera so you know it's just people are just almost uh uh ignorance is bliss they have blissful ignorance to what's going on around them so let's look at this as far as what inspired you to come forward and do this kind of performance art, com- comedic, ironic stuff to kind of troll the system and troll the outer world the way you do. How did you come about this? I mean, you're a natural comedian, and so that's obvious, but you have a depth here that is interesting that that makes it fun to watch. Well, you nailed it because my whole life I'd been a comedian. I I I'd done my eighth grade talent show, but like with comedy or stand up comedy or trying to get booked on a person's TV show or whatever, I didn't really. I, I don't know. It's very hard. You're like you know fighting for the system. But this is what I'm saying. I had to become a truther. I had to realize 9-11 was an inside job. I had to realize that the government, you know, mockingbird media, that the CIA runs the literal media. And once I realized that, I was like, oh crap, I can. I, I got a. I have like a, a target, you know. I have like a syllabus. Oh, these are the bad people. So it's something that I'm passionate about. Like I, like I said, I don't think I'm going to wake everybody up. But we are living under massive lies. I mean, you know, we can go deep into the levels of the lies. But like currently, right now, our government doesn't have our best interests. We're run by multinational corporations that are globalist you know they're globalists they care about the global identity of their company not just the united states so that's why they're sacrificing it right now and they're making us so weak so that they can control us even easier in the future so people can't see that so like i didn't until i could see that until i woke up out of my you know slumber and realized that that's what was going on I didn't really have anything to talk about. Like I almost didn't have anything to be funny about because i was so like fluoridated myself but once i realized i was like oh man this is really bad. There's a bunch of bad crap going on. And then and <laughs> me trying to go tell my parents or friends about it, they didn't really receive it that well. So you have to give them a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. So just you got to make fun of the mockery because it's now at this day and age, dude, if you can't see the government is lying to you, there's no hope. So that's why uh, I think people are starting to get the hint or the ones that are starting to get the hint are getting it. And the ones that are not getting the hint never will. Have you lost friends through this process, old friends? A couple. I mean, not that many. I've gained a lot more friends, but yeah, I've lost friends. But, you know, honestly, I'm not even that much of a social butterfly anymore. I mean, I got like two two good friends anymore. I mean, I, I have friends online and this and that, but... Yes. Like people look at me weird. I've gotten it, you know, with my cousins, I've gotten into it about this. So yes, I've gotten into it with friends and family about my position and having such, you know, out there viewpoints to compare it to the mainstream. But at the same time, I mean, it's my mom, you know, God rest her soul. She, you know, she was on board with me a hundred percent. My dad thinks I'm a little crazy, but he's on board <laughs> with me a lot of the stuff too. I mean, so it's just, you know, it is what it is. Like, uh, you know, I, I, it is what it is, I guess, the old adage. 
I've got a question out there. Uh, Fallon says, uh, "How is Luke?" You know, Fallon. I don't know. I got. I I know that he's uh, under some sort of like you know supervision. I believe he's he's not going to jail. He's not in jail. He's out. He, but he's under some sort of supervision where he can't go online. And I haven't talked to him because I don't want to talk to him because I don't want to seem like I'm talking to him for like media purposes or anything like that. So I'm just going to wait. But if I'm giving my honest opinion, I'm not feeling good about it because they gave the Q shaman 41 months. Then another guy that, that he posted on his Twitter is like, I don't always storm the Capitol, but when I do, I drink Coors Light. He literally <laughs> posted on his Facebook. Hey, look it up. Guy drinking Coors Light. He got like 16 months in prison. Oh, and there's God. been so many protests in that Capitol building for like uh PETA animal rights, all kinds of stuff. people didn't even go to jail. People didn't even get a ticket basically. And so what they're doing is I don't want to I don't want to you know say I mean they're political prisoners but it's like they're getting, what I'm trying to say is they're getting treated worse than the people going to Guantanamo Bay it doesn't make sense and they I mean and I don't I, and I get like listen if 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 our capital really was you know under like some sort of siege or something I would want the people to I, I like go after the people that did that or whatever but that's not that what happened our capital was <laughs> never it's under so you know what I mean like it was they were never <laughs> gonna lose the capital like they let them go in it was just it's just so obvious it's just so mentally insane what's going on like I I, I would have figured at least they would give these people some sort of break now in the sentencing because like I thought they could go to court and kind of prove that like they just walked around they stayed inside the ropes like what the fuck they didn't i mean they went inside the whatever rotunda they didn't do anything they really didn't do anything and the only person that died was a protester you know what i mean yeah. so uh, uh it's just and now they're saying that they're as bad as the the fake terrorists from 9-11 oh god it's, just, it's i it's know ridiculous. it's over the top so for people that will be listening later and maybe some out now who is luke just for context oh, oh for so Luke Coffey, oh, I guess I should explain that. Sorry. Uh, Luke Coffey was a, a person who's a real good friend of mine. He's a few years, just a couple years older than me. He went to the same high school as me. And his brother was one year older than me. I played football with Luke was four years older. So he was like a graduated when I was a freshman. So that's why we didn't run in school together. But I knew him. I was close with his brother and he was got really into the queue and all the stuff, the Linwood stuff. And we know that's a psyop, you know, JFK yes. Jr. is not back. But, you know, there is some true stuff with the queue. Like, you know, there is child uh, sexploitation going on. So it's like, you know, they get somebody roped into what, you know, some truth. And then they get to, you know, now you think JFK Jr. is coming back. And, you know, and, and, and I, I like you people. But what I'm saying is I don't, he was at the point where he was right. He knew the election was a bullcrap deal. And he was under the influence that like, you know, oh, let's go to January 6th, which is another reason why I've lost a hope for Trump. Trump should have pardoned all these people. He still had 11 days, I believe, in office before he left. I mean, the fact that these people, like his life is ruined. My buddy Luke went down there and he's get, he's getting charged with assaulting a Capitol officer. Assault. Uh because he basically, I mean, they have footage of it. There was like a melee at some door. He didn't even get in, but he's holding like a crutch, like a, like a, almost like a crew, like a Jesus died on the cross. You know, he's like holding a crutch, you know, uh, perpendicular to his body, kind of like pushing in a group, right? You know, like, you know, kind of using like you cross check somebody in hockey. And so in a big group of people, when he's doing it against some officers that are standing up against him, like it doesn't, it's not like he's swinging it like a baseball bat. And, and, 
and it looks like he took on the most of the brunt from what you see. And they're charging him with assaulting an officer. He faces up to nearly, you know, 20 something years. I think it might be 40 years, I believe. Yeah. And, and they're giving people for trespassing 16 months. They're giving the Q shaman 41 months. That's three and a half years in prison for going into the rotunda and, and, in a costume. I mean, there, you're no threat. You're not fighting a war if you're not even wearing a T-shirt when it's 30 degrees outside. Give me a break. You know, for those of us that can see this, it's so obvious. And you don't even have to be really intelligent to see how obvious it all is. That's how crazy all this is. And one of the things that I find interesting is that no matter what, and the Rittenhouse stuff really makes this so clear, the the fact that there were no black people were involved this is not a blm of course dot org uh experience and he actually killed uh, like a for, for real racist and child <laughs> i mean it's a child abuser yeah, and Jay, all this. i mean the child predator and a guy that had a gun that was a felon got shot i mean everybody that he took out God rest their soul. I hope they're resting in peace or for whatever reason. Or we're trash bags. We're terrible, but the scum of the earth people. And you had the Black Lives Matter and celebrities out there defending them. It just shows you those people obviously didn't do two seconds of research to look at these people's history. Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's what I'm talking about is this level of PSYOP that is going on. Like I said, when when you see it, it's obvious. I don't know how you can't see it, but apparently that's what we're dealing with. How are you seeing all that kind of stuff playing out in your local area? Like I notice here, you know, people are still civil. I don't really see like fights and stuff going on. And the stuff in, and I'm in the Portland area, but I'm not in Portland. And oh, you're in Oregon? Wow! No, 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 no. I'm in. I'm in Washington. I had to get out of out of, and I'm still in the belly of the beast. Don't get me wrong, but I'm I'm out in a small town. But uh, in Portland, when I was would go down there to, you know, meet people and eat one during before before recently when all the the protests were going on. All of Portland was all right, except for downtown, and it was like three or four blocks. Chaz. But, I know. Everybody knows Chaz. I mean, how does that even happen? That's such a, a live-action role-playing. The cops just let that happen. But, okay, sorry to cut you off. Well, but that's the thing. It got hyperbolic in the uh, in the news, and it, it really, for all all purposes, it was just a very localized area. Now, I can go on and on about how terrible Portland is. And, you know, I mean, it's like the belly of the beast. It's like Seattle. They're well, just- my favorite show is Portlandia with Fred Armisen. You know, he was a Saturday Night Live guy, and he was there talking about how weird Portland was in, you know, the early 2000s or whatever. So Portland is like insane and i've never been i need i want to go there to see how insane it is but it's like all white people but it has like a huge black lives matter (laughs) it's not Uh, it's not all white people this is what this is part of the psyop here and fred i used to work with in chicago we both worked for debbie sharp at eat your hearts out entertainment and he's one of the best ever he's one of the funniest comedians in the world wouldn't you say well 
Uh, it's hit or miss, but it's, no, I, maybe it's he's because hit or miss. I'm just saying he's ta- <laughs> he's a talented guy. He can do he, impressions. He's one of the few talented people on SNL, in my opinion. Well, he can he can he has his moments for sure. And I haven't talked to Fred since the '90s, so I you know I don't I'm not in touch with him like that. But we did work. I was the bartender and he was the waiter. Eat your hearts out is a rock and roll caterer and all that. So we we got in. It, we were in that in that field together and she only hired people that were uh in the biz basically but anyway i do feel like portlandia shined a light on portland in made kind of made it trendy and hip so it ruined the it ruined the feel of portland but i can tell you i can tell you living here and i'm not in portland anymore but I can be in whole areas of Portland and I don't see one white person. So I don't know where the statistics are coming from that it's the whitest city in the USA. That's bullshit. It's bullshit. And I could take a camera and show you. There are tons of POC here and that's fine. But what is being told to the world is a lie. And a lot of Portland people, the white shame and white guilt people or whatever, the white guilt people are on board with that. And that's why Portland just kind of blew up. And at the time that started to happen, I was in art school down there downtown at PNCA and, and PNCA had a lot of activism going on against all this, that, you know, that were, that were in, that this was their narrative, right? This was their narrative. They were these people that eventually started to blow up the whole system. And, uh, I, I started to get worried then because I was seeing one thing in the media and I'm seeing another thing in real life. And that's what I want to talk about with you. The nature of the media and how entrained people are by the media. This is what is very alarming because we know that they have created a narrative. And by creating a narrative, people start to follow it. And we see that with the jabby. We see that with the masking. We see that with everything around us and it's so obvious to us looking at it, just like the last election. There's a, how many videos of Dominion fuckery? How many videos of people doing bad things with ballots? How many testimonies? All the evidence is so out there and in our faces, and yet nobody bought it, just like the Rittenhouse stuff. It's like it can be so obvious but the media has spun it so well, and the people that are pushing for that one side are so completely 100% involved that it's steered, it has helped steer this whole community into where we are now. Yeah, I mean, people don't only, uh, uh, they want the narrative to follow. They don't even know, if, unless they're told what the narrative is, they, they won't know how to li- operate their lives. That's what I'm realizing. It's like they're dependent on the narrative, on that guidance from they, them. And it's weird. I guess it's just like the local news. If the local news told them, Hey, you know, stick, you know, a bunch of salt up your beehole or what? I don't even know. They would do test, it. I'm yeah, just right. saying it'd be, it'd be you could test it, for it. They would do it. You can, te- you can, you know, remember when you could have a swab up your arse to test for COVID? Yeah. I said that was going on in China or whatever, but I mean, they, they literally would, they'd be like, Hey, you know, if you drive, if you get inside the the passenger side of your car, when you get in your car, you know, it'll cure you from COVID or something. Everybody would do it. I mean, everybody would do it. Or that's how you got to get in your car now or whatever. I mean, just any stupid ancillary nonsensical thing they could make humans do. 
Uh, and it would be very wear a rubber band on your arm if you're vaccinated. What, whatever the news tells somebody to do, they want it. There, there's people that want more guidance now. They want Tony Fauci to tell them more what to do. They're mad that they're not getting enough guidance from the CDC. So it's really sad. People are just uh, they don't want to think for themselves. That the the independent ability to critically think has gone in society for the majority, in my opinion. Let's look at this for a minute and how things are getting co-opted. So. I think if I call myself anything politically, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really, I think that I believe in our constitution. I believe in our bill of rights. I think these are very important principles. It sets us apart from everyone else. And, uh, it was a beautiful thing. If I were to call myself any kind of political party, I do towards tend to be a libertarian in ideas because of the constitution and freedom for you to be the freak you want to be freedom for you to hate me if you want to hate me and I can hate you if I want to hate you. And if I want to be a racist, I should have the freedom to do it as long as I'm not acting out in a way that causes other people harm. I should be able to think what I want to think, etc. These are libertarian viewpoints. So right now, the the climate is so charged that everything is racist. The everything is racist. Everything is supremacy, white supremacy in particular, which is so sad because in the world I grew up in, I didn't. I we were all having fun together, and uh, this wasn't existing in my world. I saw it out there, but it wasn't like systemic. Go to China, the Han Chinese and India and all these other places that there's real racism. And so what are you thinking and what are you experiencing with this kind of narrative that's going on with how shallow identity politics are really in the field? Well, racism so bad that Jesse Smollett has to fake a hate crime and he got found guilty on five of six charges. No, I mean, uh, you know, of course, there's like inherent racism where people believe stereotypes. And I believe there is some sort of systemic racism that was against black people. You look at the Iran-Contra where they were flying in drugs from Nicaragua, like the CIA was literally dropping those drugs off in black neighborhoods that were creating crack and the crack epidemic epidemic. You look at the private prison industry, definitely benefited from, you know, supposedly getting uh, producers in the music industry to influence a life of like, you know, drugs and stuff that would fill up the private prisons in order to get young black people in jail. So I'm just saying there's a lot of stuff where the system has been against black people. I agree with that. But the idea that like this racism is the biggest problem or white supremacy is the biggest problem in America is like the farthest thing from the truth. There's very little white supremacy, if any. And I experienced none of it. And I'm in Texas. Um, but like, do some people not like somebody, you know, yeah, that happens. But the idea that there's like organized, uh, hate against one group that's prevalent within the United States is factually in it correct. So it's really sad that narrative that they're painting. And that's now that's the new system of racism is going to be against the nuclear family or like the white male, because it's the destabilization of America. They don't want they want America to be a melting pot. And it is. And New York's a good example of what America really is. And America goes in the way of New York City, like however New York City is doing that kind of the rest of the country goes that way. But the idea that like this melting pot of America is just and the biggest problem is the underlying white supremacy is so false. It makes me sick and it really gives me very little hope for society. Yeah. And I agree with what you're saying. And this is, well, this is one of the things I I love about the black community when we're talking about all of the stuff going down now, they don't trust the government because they have been at the, 
you know, they have been. Tuskegee syphilis experiment we didn't mention. They gave him syphilis, and they had penicillin that healed the, the syphilis, and they still didn't give it to him. So, you know, they did this for over 40 years from 1932 to 1972, and they, these people were having sex with other people, spreading it, and yeah. they, in, in the treatment, they could have given him penicillin the whole entire time, never gave him penicillin. So it's like the reason is because they wanted some syphilis to go out there so their medicine we could go heal it. I mean, it's just sick. It's just that sick, guys. Well, that's it, but Alex, that at least that one they came around and and it's terrible. But at least they acknowledged it by apologizing to it in the Clinton era, and that was a big deal. What about all the things they didn't acknowledge? The reason they acknowledged that is because it got it was on blast, and people were able to put it on blast because it became exposed. Now that that is something to talk about, and that is a real thing, and this is why. The black community now is suspicious about anything coming from the government. And I'm counting on that with the kickback as we move deeper into this narrative about you need a million jabs to participate in anything. That's why I'm saying the black community is hip to the fuckery. And I agree. Um, and and that's a good thing. And I'm counting on that. And so but what I'm saying with like, you know, Thanksgiving's racist, it. it Everything is racist. What, I mean, I keep hearing about all kinds of stuff that's racist. You can't like well, s- hey, certain. Well, Santa, well, Santa was from Santa Claus, was based in paganism culture. And if you read the Bible, Jeremiah ten, it says not to cut a tree and, and adorn it with gold and silver and mount it in your house. And that's like what we do. So I'm not calling Christmas satanic because you know you guys like it. But the version that we see today was created by Coca Cola. Uh, and I'm saying go have Christmas. I'm not even. I'm pro Christmas. I have Christmas lights in my house. Uh, it's just, it's funny how everything's adulterated. We don't even know what we're doing. Uh, I wanted to mention that. Well, that's, this is my point though. In a free society, I should be able to just worship what I want to worship. And that's what our constitution's about. And, and, and let you worship what you want to worship and practice the way you want to practice. That's how that should work. And as long as you're not proselytizing that shit on me, then we're good, right? We're good. Well, well that. That's why I'm. That's how I am about the mask. At the beginning of this, I was like, "Oh, I'm so anti-mask," but now I'm just like, "Listen, if if a person is scared and they think wearing a mask is going to protect them, I don't even. I'm a libertarian. I'm a freedom. Do whatever you want. If you want to wear tin mask, just do it. As long as I don't have to wear one, you can do whatever you want. You know, it's not worth fighting for. Uh, you know, everybody has their own battles. That's the bigger point here, and that's where I like to dwell. Is that we need to come to an idea of live and let live, which our constitution is back, you know, backs up. That was the whole idea. And this comes down to what I think is becoming a very prescient point here with taxation. So, you know, there was a point when most of the, almost all the taxes that we have now were, we fought against. And I don't care to get into what was going on in the 1700s. Uh, but what I'm saying is we did fight against that stuff. We we fought to own our own property. You don't own your own property here. If you're paying tax on it, taxes was against, we fought to own our own property. If you don't pay your taxes, they will take your house. Doesn't matter if you don't have a note on it. If you have, if you own it outright, as far as you don't owe a bank or anything, if you don't pay those taxes, they're going to take it from you. Do you own it? See, we fought to give us freedom over this kind of thing. And now if you make a transaction of over $600, the government has insight. They, they tracking the shit. And that's what I'm saying is 
what we're seeing now is more of a control system, more of a system, a chattel system where we, all of us, are looking at such heavy constraint, such heavy uh, control and rulership that where's this leading? Where do you see this going? Where is the kickback on all this stuff that matters? Because the systemic racism isn't as systemic as people think. It was I acknowledge that, but we need to get out of that thinking. And like I said, if you want to be racist, be racist. Just don't come at me with that. Don't hurt me with it. I appreciate your your feelings. If you want to be uh, happy with your cultural experiences and your cultural practices, do that. This is what libertarian is it all about. But what we're talking about now is the government is now so powerful and the overreach is so powerful. And we see this all around the world now. Let's talk conspiracy castle stuff. There's a bigger agenda, Alex, and that's what seems to be creeping in. And America, the land of the free, has to fall for the rest of this narrative to play out. Uh, 100%. They have weaponized our alphabet agencies against us. That's what they've done with January 6th. Now they're going after the white supremacists. You know, they're, they're, they're reaching at straws. No, I mean, that's literally the narrative is being created that's not real by the government. People can't see that. So, like, you can get into conspiracy all you want. But when you look into a thing called Operation Mockingbird, that's what the CIA declassified documents saying that they have people in the top levels of the radio, television, and film industry. And so they are depicting and, and depicting a picture that's not really happening. You know, they're, they're, they can, you know, use stats and numbers to lie to you. So where this is going to end, I don't think it's ever going to end because like I was saying earlier, it's, uh, we're run by multinational corporations that don't really have America's best interests. Like one thing, Trump is, you know, as crooked as a dog's hind leg and he, you know, became a vaccine salesman. At least I believe he was American first. You know, that's the difference of Joe Biden. I don't believe that. Like he will sell us out to China in two seconds because he doesn't care because that's what they want at the end of the day. They want to sell us out so that we are more controllable so that other countries are able to use our resources and benefit for a global level because all the climate stuff is only going to hurt America. It's only going to tax us. China's not going to follow that. So the future is very bleak when it comes to the contact tracing app that, that they're going to have us do. It's just going to be like the Patriot Act 2.0 where you're going to give them warrantless in the first Patriot Act, we gave them warrantless search and seizure of of our phones and emails, and they can still do that. But with the Patriot Act 2.0, we're going to have contact tracing uh, acceptance where they're going to be able to look at our browser history. They're going to be able to look at our text messages. They're going to be able to look at our biometric data that's connected to our phone in order to protect other people because in case we walk by somebody with a virus or we, we you know we get you know exposed to somebody with a virus they can quarantine us so the future is going to be exactly like George Orwell described in 1984 where we're going to have a screen you know that black screen that was that they always looked at it's just going to be our phone and our phone will be telling us what to do and they'll they'll they're going to be able to accept this they're, they're going to be able to say hey this is good for insurance companies because if you get in a car accident we're going to be able to go to your phone and we'll be able to hear the audio to see if you're using it at the time. We're going to be able to see if you're texting while you're driving. So it's like with all this new Build Back Better, the new infrastructure bill, people don't realize they're putting in breathalyzers in the cars automatically. They're going to have interlocking machines where they can make it where you can't drive if you're drunk. So that is just a small little window of what's really going to happen is that we're going to have the interlocker devices on our phone. And if we're not vaccinated and if we're not following the government rules and regulations, 
Americans, and it's probably going to happen in Australia or, or you know, these beta testing smaller countries at first. You're not going to be able to shop, buy, even go to Amazon.com. You're not going to be able to go to Pornhub.com. They will block <laughs> your internet access if you don't get vaccinated in the future. So that's what it's going to look like. There's a question from Fallon again, and thank you, Fallon. Great questions. We love Fallon here. Alex, do you think the high school you attended is running mind control programs on students? Uh, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Honest to God, I wouldn't. Is this Fallon know something about that? I mean, well, this is this is to be honest, too, is they call it what is like machine learning where they can like look at apps on, on iPads and they can like learn stuff fast. All that stuff is no doubt some sort of a propaganda, you know, subliminal programming. So is that happening just at Highland Park High School where I went to school? No, I think it's probably happening at every public high school in the country or that it gets funding from the Rockefeller Institute of Funding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, there's this is, again, got long legs. And this was part of this has been talked about with Common Core and all that. It's a it's a big deal. And we know that we if you entrain the children early and you get a generation of children it's only three generations until you get the outcome of that and so this is why it's important to make sure everyone understands what the children are being fed not just the food that they eat for their body but the mind food the thought food the emotional food and the deeper into digital reality we get, the further from a, a real sense of reality that we all know that's now becoming the old world. That's something to to think about. I also I want to uh, open up the chat to anyone who's out there that wants to come in and ask uh, Alex or join in and ask Alex a question or comments and all that. I think I saw Eric was out there. We always can count on Eric for that. Um, just letting that out now. So when we think about this idea, what about when you're out in the field doing these videos and stuff, what's been your general response from say youngins? Yeah. I mean, young people love trolling. I mean, that, that like, you know, when I went, did that, uh, uh the Kyle Rittenhouse protest and all these kids and I, I just wasn't rolling at the time i should have been i was just so mad i was like so flustered like right after i got kicked off these kids i didn't even see they were watching from across the street rode their bikes over there they're like oh mister that was so cool do you have a car that was so so like young kids they love chaos i mean they love i mean everybody likes a car wreck so i don't know i think young kids like to see people being anti-establishment like it's like the same reason like you looked at like the sex pistols or punk rock like I mean, you know, you think it, you know, it looks cool, but a lot of people don't want to actually like put a safety pin through their nose. You know, you know, I don't know. Not a lot of people actually want to go against the grain. So with the young people, I, I think people are hip. I think young people are hip. But at the same time, I wanted to make this point. One in 44 kids today are diagnosed with autism. You need to look that up. That's a fact. NBC News just came out with it. Not that they talk about facts, <laughs> but you know, that, that's the most recent study that came out. And in, in 1970, it was like two out of every 12,000 or something. And, and it's just it's just the prevalence of autism with, you know, the vaccine schedule and with, you know, other you know things like the food, chemtrails, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of different uh, uh, contributing factors that can actually make a kid autistic today. But I'm saying that's kind of the hope I have for the future is not much because I have a feeling if it's one in 44 now and let's say that they're giving us the right number in 100 years, it's going to be one in two. 
And yes. that might happen sooner. So yeah. that's what I think about the future, sadly, about the young people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not the, – the future with the youngins is not looking real good. Uh, Fallon has another question. Do you know if you're RH negative? I don't know if I am RH negative. I got a blood test recently. I need, I, it probably says that. Let me try to find it on my blood test. I got one not too long ago uh, in my email. But no, I don't know. What, what is the symbolism, though? Is R, RH negative is the royal blood? Is that correct? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as yeah. to say that. But it is. This is a whole different. Um, this will take us down a whole different rabbit hole but it would be interesting to know and i do think it's something maybe you should get your feelers on it's a big deal uh to some and it it certainly is to me i like kind of knowing that stuff it's interesting uh the way some of the system the underlying system that we live within and the genetic uh sequences that are at play here it's a player it's a big player in the field so to speak but now they are able to actually what I've been understanding, and I, I can't cite these sources right now, they have the ability to change your blood type through some edibles in if they get them into your gut and uh, there's enzymes or something. And so, again, I obviously can't speak intelligently about that because I can't. I haven't dug into that enough, uh, but that's that's significant. Did you see, did you find it? I'm I'm looking at it right now here. Let me do a screen share. I got it pulled up right now, but I don't know if I don't know if I can because it's a picture. You can get a blood test uh, that tells you your blood type for five dollars at like Walgreens. Really? Well, yeah. Shoot. I need to go. I need. To, I don't know why it doesn't say what kind of blood type I am. No. Uh, well, I don't know. I'll find out. I need to do that test now. You can go buy that test at CVS. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can get it from. I don't. I don't use Amazon, but it's like seven dollar kit, and you just. It's like a. Um, it's a. It's like an insulin thing. It's just a little poker, and you do the same kind of thing you do with insulin, and it'll tell you your type. Now it doesn't go into like the the fancy testing goes into a whole bunch of other stuff, but it'll just tell you your general type. But you should do that. You should check into it. And Fallon had mentioned that you were joking about being Nephilim and psychic. Or uh, let's see, Alex says he believes he. I am psychic. I am. I am. Uh, uh, yes, I am. What, what, what does he want me to guess? Something. I'm clairvoyant. What does he want me to guess? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Fallon, do you want to test Tell out? Fallon I'll guess a number. Tell Fallon I'll guess his number. One, <laughs> one through nine, though, because it has a single-digit number. Okay, Tell wait, Fallon wait. I'll guess his number. Uh, Fallon says, guess my bra size. Oh, guess. Okay. Okay, I will. <clears throat> Fallon, you are a 34 double D. <laughs> okay, there you go, Fallon. And I got a laughing out loud. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, you should you should go through and uh, do do a deep dive on RH negative for real. So let's talk about your psychic ability. I am clairvoyant. I mean, I don't even know how I am, but I can get premonitions. On the show yesterday, they, we did a thing. I don't know if Fallon saw it, but on the Baby Truther show, I can always. This guy came on the show. And I was like, oh yeah, well you're a lifted truck. Like, yeah, I do have a lifted truck. And I was like, yeah, I know. 
uh, you know, I know these things. I know things, you know, and I'm clairvoyant. Everyone's like, you're not clairvoyant. And I was like, all right, write both of you two, write a number on a piece of paper. Well, I guessed it. The number was 10. I go, well, that doesn't count. It has to be one through nine because it has to be a single digit number. Boom. The next two I guessed, both right. <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't know. I'm not always right, but I got feelings. Like I can look at a person and I can just tell. And like you can take context clues from anybody and kind of guess something about them. So it, it, that's why like I don't like those mediums. I don't I hate those mediums. They take advantage of people that just died and they say they can you know, it's like those those people that go on the Montel Jordan show or the Maury Povich show and they say they can, <laughs> you know, it's Long Island medium, they say they can speak to somebody. No, I don't think I can do that, but I can just guess stuff. I can be clairvoyant. I can like, it's, it's weird. I like, I can't tell you the score of a football game and I can feel energies in a way that, you know, influence my decision-making. That's all I'll say. Did you always have this ability when you were little? I mean, kind of, I mean, I think everybody has it. It's like, it's like the ability to kind of, and, and actually I wrote this on a test once and a, and a psychiatrist thought I was crazy. And I was like, no, I'm not that crazy. But I was like, I had to fill out a personality test or something. And uh, I think one of the questions was like, you can read other people's thoughts. And I put on there, yes. He's like, do you really think that? Like, and so you're like, that was it. He's like, you, you were kidding when you marked that, right, Alex? And I was like, yeah, 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 I was kidding. But I really meant that. Like, I really think I can read some, not all the time, but sometimes I can look at somebody. Not all the time. Sometimes I can look at somebody. I can like think I can think as I know they're thinking. <laughs> that's all I'm. That's all I'll say. I'm there with you. So I want to. I want to get back because this is a boots on the ground. And so when you were coming up with ways to troll the system and get out with your camera, what inspires you? Like, how do you come up with these kind of characters you create or these? the way in which you decide to go out and troll us, troll the system, whatever it is, how does this happen? Is it just free all of a sudden, like free for all? And you just decide to do, I'm going to show up at Krispy Kreme with blood on my nose and, a, you know, say, I just got my shot. Should I be bleeding and get a, your free donut? How do you come up with these ideas, these skits that you do? I have a very bohemian style content creation where I, I push myself. I want to make constantly make stuff, but I don't put any pressure on it because this is how it works. When I write down, I think of like the best idea and I use this and I execute it. It's never as good as the thing when I just turn my phone on selfie mode and like talk to some random person. Like it's just weird how content creation works. Like the stuff you think you put all this time and effort into is never the stuff that people even want to watch. And the stuff that was just random that you just did, you know, or just happened naturally people want to watch. So that's kind of like my mindset still. It's like, of course I'm always going to go out and create stuff, but it's like, don't put too much pressure on myself to be like, Oh, you know, I gotta make this happen. Like just kind of let it, it's hard to say naturally let myself create the content that feels right. Like what I'm feeling in that mood. Like me recently, I posted on Instagram, me talking to a a woman in the COVID-19 clinic. Um, there's like this makeshift shack that they turn into a COVID-19 testing center. And I had no intention of even going there. I was getting gas in my car and I saw some crackhead walk by her and like give her the business inside the thing. And so I was paying attention. And I was like, oh shit, I hope that guy like doesn't do anything. So then I realized like, oh man, she probably gets harassed by the crackheads all the time. Now I'm going to go harass her. I'm not a crackhead because she's probably used to it. <laughs> so, and that video was hilarious. People send me all these messages. Oh, it's so funny. And then a message I put on a costume and I go spend hours on 
people are like, oh, it's funny. It's okay. So it's weird. It, 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 like I said, I, I do come up with ideas and I'm like, oh, this will be so good. But it's it's also like the, the stuff that just naturally happens. Like my mask, my Zorro mask it's at freaking Target. That wasn't staged. I mean, I wore that stupid mask in there. I was like, maybe I'll get an Instagram photo or something. I didn't plan on me like having this interaction with them and like it getting shared by a bunch of different bigger groups and a bunch of people seeing it. I had no idea. So that's like what hits home runs. And the stuff that you spend you know hours on, like getting your friend to and hold the camera for you, that stuff like never it doesn't not work, but it's just not as good for whatever reason. Yeah, I agree. And that's what I thought was so brilliant about well, what I think is so brilliant about some of your just on the on the moment uh, stuff that you're doing out in the field. Do you know that I saw this? So I was thinking about relocating to Texas and I, I have now decided not to. And there were so many reasons why I want to go to Texas and I'm aware I need to get out of Washington, but I decided not to for many reasons. And one of the reasons is I didn't realize Texas is already on the agenda to have five smart cities. Oh, Texas is done. Texas is the next place that the New World Order wants. So, like George Soros, all this. I, I can't believe. I mean, Dallas is going to be a smart city, a tech city. Oh yeah. I mean, I would not. They call it the Silicon Prairie. People don't realize North Texas, TI Instruments, Dell Computers. There's a huge tech population here. So all the fact, the fact that like all these tech companies from California are coming out here, it's not an accident. It's because a lot of the tech manufacturers that make the parts or the computers that they sell are all produced in the Silicon Prairie of Texas. So it's like. No, Texas is done. But the reason why you'd want to come live in Texas is because the you can get you can, well now for real estate's really expensive. But I mean it's 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 somewhat decently priced, and the weather's okay. You're not going to have harsh Christmases. You know what I mean? It never gets it gets a little cold, but not not serious like you get in Washington. Well, the, see, those are I'm in Western Washington, so it was always mild until it started being colder here. But w- the reasons why Texas was attracted to me, I never really wanted to live in Texas, so it wasn't something. But when we started to look at what is going on and the trajectory of where we're going, I like that Texas had this idea always of it, of sovereignty. I like the idea that it never fully engaged with any, the rest of the states that it has its own grid. I like that it values a lot of the constitutional rights as far as the ideas of sovereignty. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff I don't like about Texas and I never did, but those ideas felt like they were going to continue on. And one of the things that really put me off was seeing how tied into UN Agenda 2030 Texas really is. I was blown away by it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's it's absurd. Like the globalist agenda of the futurism of the world is like Texas is going to lead it. So uh, I think it was Fallon that asked about the school system. I mean – yeah, it's it's very digitalized. It's it's like as as techy as it gets. So like the smart city technology. I mean, that's like that's that's going to be right in the forefront more than Oklahoma and Oklahoma's right next to us more than Louisiana because Texas is like has better infrastructure. Our roads are better. Our systems better. Our schools are better. So that's how they want to infect Texas. We are the next target. They want to turn it blue or whatever new world order, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's going to happen. Sadly, I'm going to see it happen in my state of Texas, unless I become governor or something, you know, unless somebody, some truth person becomes <laughs> governor. Uh, it's, it's going to, it's going to go that way. There's no stopping it. I mean, there's no, stopping 
George Orwell's description of 1984. There's, it's sadly, it's too, we're too far gone, guys. The boat, the, the ship has sailed. I, I appreciate your candidness with this because a lot of people still defend Texas as far as being a, a safe place for people that are trying to kind of pivot away and get into an areas that are going to be stronger, that are going to be pushing against this system in a stronger way. And that's what I always thought Texas was uh, one of those states that I felt was going to be strong like that. But I now see it totally different. And Well, you got to look at it like this. I got to cut you off because you got to look at San Antonio, Houston, and Dallas, the DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth, this metro are three of the top 10 cities in the United States are, you know, right next to each other here in Texas. So if they get Texas, they got everybody. Now, if you went out in the country of Texas, you know, it's a little different lifestyle, but it's still, I mean, you can't, you're not, you're not that far from the technocracy out in the country of Texas. I would, I would rather be like in Idaho or somewhere like you are in Washington, I feel like is less connected than Texas. Because like I said, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, three huge cities, Houston, that's four. I mean, it's Houston's the biggest one. It's just there's huge metroplexes in Texas of people that they're going to be able. They already have control of. It, well, it became clear to me that Texas is going to be made an example of because of its historical ideas of being sovereign and for not buying into the big government, tech, sovereign, the sovereign state of Texas. It occurred to me that, well, that would be the first state that would be an example, uh, you know, make an example there that we're, we're in. And it's almost like the heart of the idea of what America was originally. Now, there's a lot of retarded stuff that goes on there, and I still say retarded in the OG way, not to offend people that are actually, you know, mentally challenged in any way. But it does feel like it's going to be made an example of just like the idea of making the United States in general an example of as we move forward, because the states really need to fall for this full agenda to play out. Uh, 100%. I mean, you just kind of nailed like the, you just hit the nail on the head. Like the the agenda, America, I mean, uh, Texas will lead the agenda into our, you know, future nightmare. But I think at the end of the day, uh, if we're not a young person, you and I, and I do want to have kids. I don't have any now. I think we'll be okay. It's just the future that's not bright for, like you said, the three generations. The next two generations, they're going to have it tough. Yeah. Just like the people that are trying to control us, Alex, you know, our most precious thing is always our children. These are the precious things because they move us forward. They're, they are the future. And I know that's a platitude. I know that's a, a, a meme almost, but it's the truth. And we see it with, with how the Nazis worked. We see it with how, how people that are thinking on a larger scale, the Chinese and all this, when they think generational, this is what is so nefarious about this. I mean, I have a definition of real evil now. I mean, when we're vaccinating children, like young children, and giving them permission to just do it, and uh, and babies in utero, this is to me, this is straight up evil. No doubt. I mean, it's it's satanic. It comes out of the uh, Genesis chapter eleven, verse nine. And if you flip that, that's nine eleven. But that's the story of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. And Nimrod wanted to build a tower 
to the kingdom of heaven to be able to kill God. And what God did is he made everybody speak 60 different languages so they couldn't keep building this tower. So they, you know, is a deglobalization. They made everybody have different tribes. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to create the modern day tower of Babel. They're trying to get us under one global ruler so that that and that ruler is Satan. It's a literally battle of good versus evil. So the more babies they sacrifice, the more people they have in turmoil, the more the lower vibrational standard in which we live, the more they benefit from. So there's no doubt. I mean, it's it's actual evil. And what they do is they do some like they like Bill Gates for all the people they kill. They think because they do a little charity and give some of their money that doesn't even matter back to people, that that gives their karma, that makes their karma okay, which is the farthest thing than the truth. There are people doing knowingly evil things that just think, oh, well, the people that are getting hurt by it, you know, deserve it or they're, they're not even realize what's happening. I mean, think about the millions of Iraqis that we killed in the Middle East for what? For no reason. And people just still are like, oh, you know, kill them until they're dead and put a boot in their ass. We're insane. People don't care. People are insane. I know. I know. I'm laughing because it's absurd. I'm not laughing because because I'm laughing. It's I I find myself laughing more and more these days of how absurd all this is. I mean, when you think about who stood up to what, the whole Qaddafi thing when he wanted to separate himself from the dollar as a standard, right? You know, he's the best guy ever. I have to cut you off. I want to hear exactly what you have to say about Qaddafi, but he was murdered by the United States because he was the only guy that's going against it. And if you looked at Libya at the time, it was a shining star of Northern Africa. As a matter of fact, he had a dam that brought in water to inland Africa that they had never had Qaddafi built. And Hillary Clinton bombed that dam that gave clean water to inner African children from Libya. Hillary Clinton bombed it with a predator drone. So, and they killed Qaddafi, who was actually a good guy. But go ahead, because you're going to talk about the most important thing. He wanted to take him off. That He wanted to put his stuff on the gold dinar, the Libyan dinar. But, but uh, sorry to cut you off. Just, he, he's such an important figure to show you that America doesn't have the world's best interest because he was actually a good guy. You you made the points I wanted to make. And 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 when you look at how that narrative was spun here, how they made him look so nasty and evil and like a dictator and and all it took was digging a little bit. I mean you didn't have to dig far, but looking at you what had a he free was doing in Libya. Yes. You had a free health care. You had every in Libya. You're t- I mean, you know, you th- and now it's a slave trade auction. But I see I didn't know enough about Libya at the time. Nobody did. But go look at Libya before. And now they have slave auctions. Only place in the world where there's still the slave trade is going on. It's going on in Libya where Gaddafi used to be the leader. It's stunning, and it's one of those examples we really need to get optics on. People still in America believe the American narrative of, of course, you know, they the, look at all the people that still love Hillary, believe this narrative that was spun to them through the Mockingbird media. And this was a man that was trying to do good for his own people and not only trying to, was doing good and realized that he needed to get off of the American dollar to find complete sovereignty. He didn't need us. They didn't need us. And that's been one of the problems here with all of these crazy narratives going on. Look at what's going on now. What do you think what's about all this stuff that is, you know, everything we have to look at with an eye of is this, what's the psyop here? But let's look at, let's talk China, Russia, Ukraine, and America right now. What, what are you seeing? 
Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Like, you know, just look at uh, our withdrawal from Afghanistan. I believe that uh, Joe Biden sold out Afghanistan to China because China, you know, they wanted to they want to wipe out the poppy fields because now they're they're rushing the border with cheap fentanyl. Like the overdose deaths this year have gone up and in the, in the most recent years. A staggering numbers because that's all the cheap fentanyl that China is legally allowed to produce as long as they change one molecule. And they're sneaking it in through the southern border. And it's actually they're, – they're pressing it in pills. Like kids will think they're taking normal Vicodin or Xanax, and it's actually fentanyl, and you know kids are dying. So I think the global – the, you know, the global threat from China is the poisoning of our youth through drugs. Um, and then I think, you know, Joe Biden wiping out Afghanistan, that's just, like I said, they're not going to have heroin. They're going to, China's going to purposely, you know, kill the heroin trade so that fentanyl will be your only choice for opiates in an opioid addicted society. Now, Russia, you know, they're fighting, you know, they, they probably, uh, there's going to be a lot of show with Russia because we're going to still we're still on the same side as Putin at the end of the day. Even if there's going to be a fight, yes. they're going to put off like that we're fighting. We're still always going to be on the same. It's always going to be a cold war with Russia, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And but China is a threat because they're actually poisoning our children. I don't believe Russia is selling fentanyl, producing fentanyl, and, and you know going through the border. But there is evidence of China doing that through the shipping containers because they'll catch one container, but a hundred containers get through with these synthetic drugs they're creating. So. That is a real threat because that's the kids can get a pill and die. You know, Russia being in like some sort of cold war because they're fighting over territory in the Ukraine, like that matters. I mean, that's just all, you know, a psyop, a psychological operation to distract us from what's really going on. And then, you know, other world powers. I don't know. I mean, I I guess I said this six times, but China and I'm not anti-Chinese. I love Chinese people, uh, but they're our biggest threat when it comes to uh, the destabilization of America uh, from other competing countries. Uh, that's, that's Other than that, I don't know what other country. We just are shooting ourselves in the foot. It bears repeating that when we're talking about this stuff, we're not talking about the people. We're talking about the governments. And a lot of times... You know, people get caught up in not understanding what we're talking about. We're talking about governments. I am not the American government. I'm an, uh, I'm a person that lives here and the government is doing all this stuff that I am not down with. And I think that I know that Chinese people are very nationalistic because they have been bred this way under communism for so long to be that way under heavy mind control. But still, the people are not the government. And that's a big thing to, to, you know, always keep that in mind when we're talking about this stuff on a higher level. And another thing with China is, have you looked at the numbers of how much property China owns in America, actual land, and then look at China, not China, not Chinese Americans, Chinese, Chinese, CCS, Chinese. it's a, that was a huge money laundering. They own some of the most real estate in New York City because it's, they can use Chinese yen to buy it. So they turn their yen into American property, which is money. I mean, it's ridiculous that we let them just come over. And like, I think the, some of the biggest real estate holdings in New York City is the Chinese government. Yes. And farmland. And they, and they bought a bunch of ranches in Texas, yes. not to mention. They, you know, they bought all the, so I'm just, it's just, I'm just saying New York City is like a good, that's kind of like a good indicator of the beta testing. The fact that they own like, 
like, you know, most of Manhattan, most of the apartments in Manhattan or a lot of them, that means they own a lot of the United States. Yeah. New York City is a good, good way to get your finger on the pulse of it. But they own a great deal of the Great Lakes and the water that's going there. They own a great deal of America, period, point blank. And what's going to happen if they want to, you know, what's going to happen with that when Americans are not owning America. And the the rate at which this is happening is staggering and we can we can go back and look at where the government has made this possible. This is something that is very scary moving forward and they also own a lot of Canada you know, synchronistically. They own all of Canada. I mean, they own Trudeau metaphorically, hyperbolically, cliche, whatever, whatever you want to use. But, you know, China, I mean, I, I, that's the other thing is like they want America to fail, but they'll subsidize, subsidize our failure, too, because they love our culture. They want to keep us afloat. So it's like this kind of never ending game where America will crash, but there'll always be somebody to bail us out. And I'm not saying China will bail us out, but we'll be able to bail ourselves out like it'll just be a never ending you know, uh, comedy of errors. Like we'll constantly be, you know, hitting the rake with our foot and getting hit in the face, not learning our lesson. Yes. And, and the thing is people need to understand this. That's what is going on. And this is what's a problem with kind of the dumbing down of the masses. You know, the paper used to be written for eighth grade level and now, uh, you know, that's too high. And this was one of the points I was making earlier when they're starting to say, that math is actually racist, right? And that we need to not dumb down our people. The, the intelligence level of Americans is so low on the world right now. If you go and look at those statistics, we used to be, we used to have some of them, we were up there in the very top of intelligent people in the world. And now we're way down. We're like at 24th or something ridiculous. And I think this is worrisome, don't you? And that, Correlates exactly with the vaccine schedule. Look at America's rankings and and studies and all that stuff, and look at the vaccine schedule from the seventies on. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it's just because vaccines are making us dumb, but look at the vaccine schedule and look at the. We are like I think the nineteenth smartest country or something. I think it was twenty fourth like, when I looked. Tw- yeah, maybe twenty fourth. I think maybe nineteenth was high recently or something like. Um, so we're not even the top 20 when it comes to testing or school, you know, and, and there's a bigger sample size. Maybe I don't, I don't know what excuse you could say, what metrics, like, like I do think Americans do have some sort of ingenuity. Like Germans have great ingenuity with cars and, you know, some people have natural like things, you know, their culture, they're good at. So I think like, even though Americans are basically a bunch of walking autists, there is something about America that gives us, you know, maybe it's just ignorance is bliss uh, that gives us, you know, our, our go hard or blow hard nature. But like, um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, um, America, there is something independently good about America, but sadly, we're very dumb overall. Well, and, the, and we know that this is a by design. This is a slow takedown, and that's the whole point. And that's what makes this a whole like conspiratorial subject because this has been a slow takedown. We can see through Tavistock and uh, all kinds of agendas that have been at play for a very long time. Uh, the Rothschilds are certainly in there, Soros is in there, and all that. The, you know, these big names, but there are silent, shadowy 
forces behind those names. And that ultimately is where the real conspiracy is. And uh, people won't know those names. It, you know, a lot of people call it the black nobility and nothing to do with color except for their shadowy. And uh, this is at play. There is so much at stake here in the end. And Alex, I think of everything on a spiritual level and I'm above like actual different differentiations in religion. I'm a, I believe in this higher concept of religion or of spiritual existence that I am directly an emanation of the core of the architect of God. I am and just as you are. And all that. So I do think that, of course, part of the big psyop has been religion. But ultimately, I do feel like this is, it feels like we're in a battle for our souls individually and as a, a planet, as a realm. I agree. And I wanted to mention a point. You said Tavistock. Tavistock is like the leading propaganda wing. You know, that's where they tested soldiers on drugs and how to influence us. They actually even know what megahertz to make music that makes us pleasurable for our ears. But this is a conspiracy thing I want to leave you guys on. So look at the Tavistock Institute and then look at what happened at the Travis Scott concert. Yes. Where it was a mass casualty event where a bunch of kids died. And he's still going around trying to act like he's sorry and it wasn't his fault and that somebody in his inner ear didn't tell him. Yet he went to Dave and Buster's after the concert for a two hour after party, you know, and, and he tried to act like he didn't know what happened. So there's, it's inexcusable. These people love it. He loved that people died at his concert. And the fact that his real name isn't Travis Scott just shows you there are people that are mocking us that are giving these people these clues, like naming a guy Travis Scott, like mm-hmm. sounds like Travis Scott, yes. Travis Stock. And he's basically with Kim Kardashian's little sister, uh, you know, Khloe Kardashian. I mean, it doesn't get more New World Order than that conspiracy stu- conspiracy style, the conspiracy castle style than this, talking about Travis Scott. But I'm saying, guys, I'm just trying to use this as an example that you don't know which angle the government is going to hit you from because they're going to try to influence you through, you know, the pop culture, the media, through your friends, through your family, through the radio. It's impossible not to uh, fall victim to at least hearing the, the the propaganda. So we just had to be cognizant and aware and try not to fall into the traps that everybody's setting around us. Yeah, I agree. That was the very first thing I noticed when I, I was honed in on Travis Scott. It was, a, it's so obvious Travis Scott, uh, Tra- Travis Stock, Travis Scott. I mean, I was putting like that rhyme up for people. I want to thank you, my friend, you know, I love you and you're a brother in the field. I love your work and I will have you back on for a proper podcast that I edit and put out in the outer world. But thank you for taking this time with us and just tell people how they can find you in the world, your social media accounts, etc. Guys, please consider going and subscribing to my YouTube, Conspiracy Castle, or Instagram, Prime Time Stein. And honestly, if you just search for me, you can go to alexstein.live or conspiracycastle.live. But if you if you can't find me, you're not looking very hard. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And I'll have all that stuff linked for people in the, in the playback. But I want to thank you again. And uh, let's do it again, you know, sometime soon. For sure. You tell me when. It was such a pleasure. Thank you again. I had a good time. Thank you. And on that, I want to thank everyone that joined us live and for all the people that are able to take make the playback. Hello, and I hope you enjoyed yourself. We love Alex here. So with that, I am going to sign out, and that's it. I'm out. 
And there we have it, the end of another Boots on the Ground with the wonderful Alex Stein. I would like to thank the producers of this show, Casey, Christy Tesmer, Eric Peterson, Jason Lamson, J.H. Armstrong, Louis B., Marcy Shapiro, Melanie Poe, Michael Wachter, Michael Watts, Neil McNaughton, Noelle Jeanette, Santa Rebecca, Still Fiona, Babs Arbonetter, and Miss JJ, the hostess, moderator extraordinaire, as well as all the other Patreons that make this possible. Thank you kindly. Remember, question everything. Question your reality. Question what you should not question. And then look deeper there. If you're not able to question something, you know you're on to something. The dreamer loves the dream. The dreamer feeds the dream. The dreamer is the dream. Thank you for joining me here again at the Cosmic Salon. <laughs>